Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and today we are joined by two amazing women. Libby Rappin and Lisa Thompson are the co-founders of Blue Wave Wellbeing, a certified women-owned business, and together they have a combined 20-plus years of experience leading human resources and corporate communication teams in both startup and enterprise-level organizations where they help organizations triple in revenue and impact. After years of grinding, they reached the point of physical and mental exhaustion in their careers, which impacted their well-being. Their journeys to well-being led them to rediscover the childlike wonder of playfulness to help them heal. As they began to live with a more playful spirit, they both began to thrive, and Blue Wave Well-Being was born. Their professional development company makes well-being achievable for everyone and is built on the science of play. They teach their Pillars of Play framework, which is built on science, and helps individuals learn habits that they can do in five minutes or less. Their programs have been shown to increase employees' happiness and their confidence to share opinions and ideas in meetings. They also strengthen trust and relationships amongst colleagues and customers. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Every time I hear someone say that we have 20 years of experience together, I'm like, we've really been working that long. I feel like <laughs> right. It ages us. <laughs> This is such an important topic. Like I really have been looking forward to it. So let's talk about play because I was telling you before we started recording, that was part of my healing journey and people thought I was losing my mind. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that for, I think most of us can admit as adults that there is like this inner child that we forget about as we get older. And for me, I'll just share you know, my reasons for that. And then Lisa, you can kind of add your own thoughts is that, you know, kids are such amazing examples of being fully present and in the moment, they easily forgive, they, you know, take boxes and make houses out of them. They're an amazing example of just learning to embody what we refer to as like a playful mindset. And as adults, um, we start to lose that sense of wonder and curiosity and excitement towards life. And for me, you know, that's because of all of our societal conditioning, familial conditioning, potentially religious conditioning. There's all these forms of conditioning that we start to go through as we age. And it's like this idea of, we say this to little kids, um, put your big boy panties on, um, big girls don't cry or be a big girl. I mean, we, there's so many things that we could probably all say, oh my gosh, I heard that as a child, or maybe I'm saying this to my kids now. And it's not to say that anybody was doing this intentionally, but throughout life, we just, we hear these concepts, they get conditioned in the mind and we stop doing these things that brought us great joy and are teaching us a lot of things about ourselves, teaching us like basic life skills through the like, you know, behavioral aspects of actually playing. And so for us, when we were coming together with our business, we really like for us, helping people to support their mental fitness was what we were going after. And in our own personal journeys, uh, we realized that the, the key reason for us as to why we were, you know, starting to have some mental like health conditions, let's just say, was because we forgot to show up more playful in our lives. 
We took life so, ser so seriously. We set ridiculously high expectations for ourselves to reach in regards to performance in the workplace and our personal lives. We were, you know, this caused us to become, you know, for me at least, I had stress that was chronic and unmanaged. And I took life way too seriously, forgot how to play. And so that was impacting my mental health. And so um, I'll kind of stop there. I don't yeah. have anything else you want I, to add. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, reiterating everything that you said, but it's more of, you know, when I, when I hit my level that I knew that I wasn't having fun anymore, you know, having play in my life, I was burnt out. I was exhausted at work. Um, I was thinking that success meant work hard, grind, like no time for like laughter or, um, you know, everybody always said like, be innovative, be innovative. But I'm like, how can I be innovative? I'm, tr I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to make it to the next level. And, you know, when her, uh, Libby and I were really building this, we both noticed like, man, we aren't playing. And we were doing our YouTube channel and we were laughing. We were having fun. We were talking about specific, serious topics, but we were doing it in a playful way. And we realized that a lot of times when you look at, you know, we both, I came from corporation, um, um, when I think about being innovative, I didn't understand that actually meant having a playful mindset. I didn't actually mean like getting my mindset in a different way, getting out of my comfort zone, being open, being flexible, utilizing my strengths. I looked at it as like, I had to get whatever the company needed, needed to make money. That's what innovative meant. It didn't mean that I got to bring out this cool side of myself too. And so, you know, since being more playful in our lives, I would say we, we've said this multiple times to ourselves, like people see people it's contagious it's contagious people see us dancing I dance with my dog in the kitchen like we have so much fun but it's because we've opened our minds to make time for these things and so you know again like play isn't just fun in games and yes we have you know we have fun and we play the games but at the same time it's being open-minded having that positive mindset and so that's when when we say playful mindset that's what we mean I love that. And it's so true. And I think it relates to, I mean, I, I played sports my whole life and you're taught shake it off, like get back out there. So yeah. we, we have these messages everywhere. And I love that you've applied it to work because if we are in a negative space, we're never going to be a, number one as productive, but certainly not as happy. So you say there's a science to it in five minutes, which I want to play longer, but <laughs> we don't have that much room in our schedules. I want to know more. Well, I think the idea around that is that so many people say to us, okay, this is great. Um, we understand that these things are important, but I don't have time. Time is the number one thing that people always say. And so we were like, okay, we were there. We got it. Um, we totally understand. And so Really what we try to do is to help people understand but that by creating micro steps or creating tiny habits in their life, they can over time see massive changes in their well-being. And so that's where that concept comes from. Of course, like we, we hope that by doing it for five minutes, you kind of get engrossed in that moment and you're having so much fun. You see how you're showing up that maybe you do it again in that same day or maybe you play for longer. But the idea and the science is actually showing us that you know, even when it comes to meditation, if we're only meditating for three minutes a day, we can still see significant benefit. The way it benefits us is the consistency, the routine, the overtime. So we don't need to be doing these things necessarily for 30 minutes, but doing three minutes is probably more than what we're doing now. So every little bit helps. It's like, we're, we're increasing our energy reserves 
over time so that when life happens and let's just say, excuse my French shit hits the fan, you have some energy reserves to go into and maybe you, you bounce back more quickly. You're not as, um, maybe significant, uh, you're not seeing it or viewing it as stressful because you've built up this ability to be able to respond more consciously in situations. So I don't know if you want to talk Lisa anymore about like tiny habits. Well, I would just say, you know, to your point about like play in five minutes and stuff. I mean, tomorrow, Libby and I are getting in a car for eight hours and doing a road trip to a wedding that I have to go to. I share that because we could have went into that trip thinking eight hours, like that's like a long time, but we're like, okay, we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to like use this time to be innovative. So even when you have, you know, something coming up that, you know, that is going to take a big chunk of your time, setting yourself up for success with these tiny habits is super important because we could go into this and be super exhausted and not looking forward to it, but it's because we've created tiny habits into our lives that we're like, okay, like we get to look at it in a different perspective. And that's how I'm looking at it. <laughs> I don't want to drive for eight hours. Let's be real, but I'm being open-minded and saying, okay, okay what are going to be the cool like farm stands we can stop at? Or like, what are the other cool things we'll see on the way? Or maybe we'll make a YouTube video yes, in the car. Exactly. So it, you know, that's kind of, I it. love that because I mean, driving for me, getting lost used to be <laughs> the most stressful thing, especially, you know, moving to a different state, not knowing, not even having my bearings. And now it's a mindset shift, but I'm like, okay, this is an adventure. I'm going to find a new shortcut home or a new, and, and I make it a game and the chain, like my body used to physically be tense and stressed yeah. driving. So I love that you said, make it a game and just go with it. And, and the life isn't always fun. We have to do things we don't want to do, but going into it with that attitude is crucial. Yes. Yeah. And I would, and I would just say like, I, I think for me, I'm such a planner. So when things don't go as planned, sometimes I still get anxiety. Like it's not that this just like instantly went away, but it's so much dramatically changed over the years because to your point, like, do I like to get lost? I didn't in the past, but now you have to look at it in a different lens. Do things always go the way that I had planned? No. Do people always show up on time when they're supposed to? No. Do I? No. So it's like, that used to cause me so much anxiety when things didn't go my way. Um, but it's because I was like, thought in my head, that's how it was supposed to go. But to your point, it's like being open. It's, it's looking at it as, okay, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and you made a comment earlier about playing the workplace. And I think of like running a business as kind of like a game, but it's a serious game. But there's a lot of times when we have to pivot last minute, we have to learn to be creative. We're building things for the new time for the first time. You know, we're in, in essence, creating a lot of concepts from literally playing different types of games and bringing them into the workplace when you really think about it. And so for us, we were like, okay, so work is one of those places where I personally bought into the mindset of um, buying to the grind, the work hard, play hard. It's the hustle. It's you're, you know, you're working 12 hours a day because you feel like you owe it to your organization. And th those aren't necessarily, they don't have to be terrible things. But again, it's the way we identify with that. If we're going to be in the office for 12 hours, how can we enjoy the experience in the office a little bit more? And so we're not saying that you should install for organizations to, you know, install um, like what are like uh, the little putt putt greens or the foosball tables and things like that, though, those are nice. And those do impact culture. Um, my background is actually HR. 
However, what we are asking businesses to consider is how do you weave uh, the idea of embodying a playful mindset into the DNA of your culture? And so we're not just talking about games, like Lisa said, it's truly a mindset. So for you, so you now see getting lost as an adventure, you are embodying a playful mindset. When um, a challenge comes at us, a customer is yelling at us, how do we then kind of put on a different lens and say, okay, maybe you don't want to be silly in front of the customer when they're mad, but how do I approach this and bounce back more quickly? Or how do I get into the creative space in order to resolve this issue in a different way than what we have before? This is the work of the mind. And I have to believe it affects the outcome because it's taking me back to school and remembering my teachers who would teach by playing Jeopardy. And you still had to learn everything, but it was a game versus the teachers who stood up and lectured and you're like sitting there going, I can fall asleep right now. So when it's fun, there has to be a connection to how we perform. Exactly. Well, and you just made me think about all the lyrics I can like recite right away because it's got that great vibe. Like, you know, do I remember half the you know, things that I learned in different areas, you know, but it's like that, that spin that someone took to make it, um, change my mindset in a way of like how I'm reciting things, remembering things. So yeah, exactly. Well, and the science says that when we, you know, are more playful, we, um, it helps us relieve stress. It increases our mood. It will increase our engagement within the workplace. Um, we become more creative problem solvers. Oh, We just froze. Well, something is going on with technology and you all listening know me and technology and how I cope with that. It's usually by finding someone else to help me figure it out. So I'm going to continue talking about the relevance that this has because Prior to recording, I started by discussing my personal life. After losing Jim, I couldn't do traditional things. Are you guys here? No, we are. Okay, good. We're back. I was just filling the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it froze. I don't know what you were in the middle of saying, if you remember. We were just talking about the research and some of the positive impacts that playfulness can have like on individuals personally and how that impacts um, like, well, we didn't really say cultures, but in essence, when somebody is embodying a playful mindset, they're going, it's going to impact your customer experience in turn impacting revenues. When people are more joyful, they're in less stressful states. We know that the more our body is in fight or flight, that is creating disease in our life. So your healthcare costs are going to go down when you have more happy employees. It, there's so many impacts of play. And, and I would say um, to that point, you know, we hear a lot of times that people say like, well, my company's doing X, Y, Z. Or they'll say, yeah, my company is focusing on our well-being. And then we ask the question, well, what, what is it? Well, we got some apps that we can use. We got some like, you know, hotlines that we can call, but they don't actually do anything with them because they don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing that we've noticed is we are teaching people how, how, like we're teaching them tools, 
how to do specific things because so many people know the what. They know play is important. They know innovation is important. They know all of this, but they don't know how to embody it. And I think that that's the biggest change that we need to make as a society and something that Libby and I are, you know, we're passionate about when it comes to Blue Wave because we want to make it achievable for people. And that's why our five minutes of tools is so important because so many people like, you know, take me back to years ago before we even were working together. I heard the word meditate and I thought that meant that I had to spend 60 minutes doing it. Did I know how? No, I literally thought I had to cross my legs and like, you know, and so this is just like, see you Lisa's trying to make a mood drill. Like, I didn't know what it was called. Yeah, yeah, I know. By the way, but like, I really thought I had to be in a, like a room, eyes closed. You know, I thought it had to be like, like super, <laughs> we're very like, we're like, <laughs> so that scared me. So I knew what to like, I, I heard about it, but I didn't know how to actually incorporate it into my life. And so now that we teach these tools, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's like my, like I can do it in my own way. You know, Libby and I, you know, we have, you know, she's the guru of it. Very well aware of that. And I'm okay with that. You know, she's got meditated on her shirt, but I still incorporate it into my life in a different way that works for me. And so we're really big on like how well-being doesn't, it's not one size fits all. You know, you have to find what works for you. Just like, you know, you might like pizza and I don't, I'm not going to force myself to eat pizza just because I mean, like you, you like it. It has to be the same way with well-being and finding what works for us. So I think that that's another piece that I just wanted to like point out is it's, it's teaching people how to use tools that works for them. Um, versus always just saying like, well, go meditate. We'll go use this app. Well, as someone who didn't know what she was doing years ago, that meant nothing to me. And so I think if we're going to take this seriously and move forward and help people embody this, we got to teach them the tools. Well, and it's about them personalizing it, right? Yes. So you can Google all the ways to take care of yourself, but people will be like, I hate journaling. I'm never going to journal. I hate meditating, you know, but like, okay, so how can we personalize those experiences so that they work for you? Yeah. And that's where we see most people getting lost, which is why interactive workshops for us is so impactful is because people are getting this information through learning portals and handouts, um, you know, things through insurance companies and EAP programs. But the reality is, is that it, what happens is people start using these things and then they stop because they get lost or they're like, I think meditating means I have to stop all thoughts in my mind. Well, that's not possible. We have 60, 80,000 thoughts a day. So if sitting meditation doesn't work for you, like maybe it can be a walking meditation or listening to sounds in nature, or there's so many creative ways to do that. But I think that we take so seriously when somebody says, this is how you do things, but they're just guideposts, you know, and you know, how do we learn to incorporate them into our lives? So it works for us because it's not rocket science. We all know it's not rocket science, but Lisa and I are teaching, we've created our own framework of what we, what we believe are the six core pillars to help you embody a playful mindset. But the things that we're teaching are not necessarily things that we've made up or have a fancy algorithm for. Can we take it out of the workplace for a minute? For a lot of people listening, they're struggling. They're at a dark place and, and this is still relevant. I think even more so because if we can't function personally, we certainly can't function at work. So how can we apply play when people are struggling, like depressed or going through a loss or a move or something like that? Yeah. 
Well, I just want to first say to anybody listening in who is struggling, and I'm going to probably get tears in my eyes, but um, I just want you to know that you're not alone and what you're feeling um, because me years ago wishes that like I had the tools that I have now. And it makes me emotional sometimes because it's like, remember that dark place. I remember that place that I was at where I literally didn't think I could get out of it. Woo, didn't think I'd get emotional on this podcast. <laughs> But it's, it, you just bring up like, I know people are suffering. I've been there and I'm not going to say that it's like perfect all the time, but um, I just wanted to validate that. I'll, I'll let you go into that because I totally forgot the question. And the now. word play <laughs> or joy, like when you're in that state, doesn't even seem within reach. So I want no. people to know that it is, you know, I mean, I did it because I truly was lost and just didn't know, but it wasn't because I was like, okay, I'm grieving. Let's play. Like it just, it doesn't connect. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, um, you know, to admit where you're at and to acknowledge that it's okay. Like there has to be a level of awareness first to check in and just be like, you know what? I'm not feeling good today. Haven't been feeling good for the last couple of days, but that's okay. My body's trying to tell me something right now. Um, through the ways in which I'm reacting or responding or behaving, which I might not always be proud of, but that's okay because I'm suffering and we all suffer. So I think the first thing is to admit that and to be so gentle with ourselves. You know, the next thing is to just say like, okay, what can, what can I commit to that might make me feel good? And these could be small things. It could be as simple as, you know, deciding to express gratitude you know, what are three things I'm grateful for to get my mind off of the fact that I'm not feeling good or that I'm in this really crappy state that could be really simple to, you know, change the trajectory of your next hour, your next couple of minutes and your next day, the rest of your day, maybe. Um, another thing is just, you know, I think we get really robotic in our life and we continue to do things without stopping because we don't want to feel so we like to do, do, do. And so we consume ourselves typically with more things to do. But the best thing that somebody can do is to actually stop, do something that brings them joy. So you talked about painting, could be going for a walk. It should be, or not should be, it could be calling up a friend. It could be, um, I don't know, uh, going to visit your favorite place, your park, park in town, whatever you like to do. It could be something simple. But I think that one of the things when we do that then is like, okay, so I'm doing these things and it might, you know, stopping could create, you know, a little bit more trauma. So we have to continue to talk or talk to ourselves and remind ourselves like, it's okay. I'm okay in this moment. It's okay. And it's not, again, I don't, I'm not one. I love to use positive affirmations, but I don't like the concept of fake it till you make it. So a lot of people, like when we teach affirmations, you know, it's like, you know, I'm feeling great and vibrant today, but I really don't feel that, you know, it could be like, I don't feel good today, but I know that tomorrow could be better. Or I know that I'm being proactive to help to care for myself so that I can be better. Like those for me are different ways in which we can start to kind of like within our mind, help to change our situation into a more positive light. I'm not there yet, but I'm in process. I'm in process or I'm, I'm in progress. And I, I would love just that. And I would just add one thing is, um, you know, it's really easy. You said like to keep your mind busy, like, okay, if I'm keeping my mind busy, I'm not thinking about and feeling it, but it's so important to do that. And that also means I'm not saying a detox from your digital world for hours on end, but that also means like 
I remember that dark time. I just scrolled because it was mindless, but I wasn't taking care of myself. I was just filling time because I didn't want to think about anything, um, but that wasn't helpful. And so I would just suggest to anybody listening who might be doing the exact same thing that I was doing is to just, you know, put your phone away for a little bit. You gave so many great things, Libby. So it's like, put your phone away and enjoy them. You know, if you're doing both, you're never going to be present in the moment and really get to play, really get to embrace the change because you're being so distracted with something else that probably is part of, you know, something that could be causing you to struggle as well. So I just wanted to add that as well. I love that. And it's true that we hear, you hear play and I literally picture kids outside running around. Play doesn't have to be active if you're in a more mellow state. There's so many, a puzzle, um, drawing, you know, there are tons of things. I think it's the commitment to putting everything else aside and giving yourself that five minutes, like you just said, to just be in that moment with whatever it is, dancing with your dog, which I do also. <laughs> well, and I would just say like, we know we, we are not moms. We don't have kids. We can spend a little bit more time doing it. That's why we're so big on the five minutes. I have a sister who has two little boys and her time over time, she started out with the five minutes, but she has grown to put more time into herself because she's seen the progress. So earlier when Libby was saying like all those things, you have to start somewhere, but that means starting small, don't be dramatic and like, you know, do a ton of things, get used to it because I've seen a big transformation um, in those people that have started out small and then they've added to it because they got the, they got the hang of it. And then they saw the the progress and then they were, they were able to add, they didn't go from zero to 100 and then become so overwhelmed that they just stopped. You know, that's why we're really big on the small habits and adding those over time. Yeah. And we're human. You know, I, oh when I get God. lost, it's not like I immediately am like, it's a game. There's a human reaction. Like, Oh no, here we go. Totally. Well, and I think so, right. So like well-being is about the journey. It's not the destination. Yeah. So like we teach this and we're not perfect. We still don't talk mindfully. We still don't remember to play. We still get stressed out. We still have bad days. So it's about being intentional though, and finding more intentional ways to add habits to our life that will nourish us because life will happen. We will experience stress. We will experience sadness. We will experience anger. We will, because we are human. If you're not experiencing these things, then uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> might be enlightened. I'm not totally sure. But there, I don't know anybody, no matter where your level is at and, you know, how long you've been practicing these tools or techniques, life will happen. Mm -hmm. However, it's about how we respond. So like for, for me, I feel like before, you know, an experience would happen that would really anger me. And I would hold on to that anger for a really, really long time. And now I feel like I'm able to at least release that a lot more quickly than what I used to because I have the tools in place and because I have a different mindset. And you guys have each other. And we mentioned earlier, we've all said it. I think that people listening, you are not alone, but some people don't have somebody to go on that eight hour road trip with, or, you know, work with every day that has the same mindset. So it really does have to be an individual decision, but finding others with the similar mindset is huge because I don't have somebody in my house, but I have a lot of people, a phone call away. So how important is that connection? 
Well, interpersonal relationships are like one of the number one predictors of overall well-being consistently in, in research. So, you know, I think COVID showed us that with the so with the physical distancing. I don't like to call it social distancing because we still had ways to be able to socialize with people thanks to Zoom technologies and FaceTime and all of the other video conferencing tools that people were using. So it's physical distancing. However, um, it over and over again, it consistently shows that we have to have healthy and nourishing relationships in our life. And you're right, not everybody has that or they're surrounded by people that like they're trying to grow and do the work on themselves but that's not accepted by the other people they're made fun of, you know, whatever it might be. And so how do you, how do you meet those people to surround yourself with? Um, you know, there's a lot of ways in which people could, could do that. There's, I mean, I've attended so many, like, well, now they were virtual, like different types of virtual events and programs that were put on by businesses locally that do things that I love, meditation groups, yoga online, yoga is back in person now, like start doing the things that you love. Don't worry about if there'll be a lot of people there, but start doing the things that you love. And then I just truly believe that those relationships will just continue to flourish when you're in the zone, you're doing the things that you love. And, and I'll just add to that really quick. I think it's you, just kind of like with your well-being journal or well-being journey, you have to get uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable. You have to just know that like, it's, you know, I remember like wanting to, I, I would see people and be like, oh, I want to be her friend. Oh, I want to be his friend. Ooh, they have like, you know, the, the, the vibes, the good vibes that I want, but how do I go say to them, hi, I'd like to be your friend. Well, I did it. You know, like you just have to like get uncomfortable. And I think that that's the thing for me, at least like, that's what worked for me because uh, you know, I sometimes going to a yoga class by myself wasn't what I wanted to do. It was still nerve wracking for me. So I had to find what worked again, worked for me um, to meet people, um, which sometimes I guess that meant that I was walking up to people and introducing myself and doing it that way. But I think you have to find what works for you, but just know that like, it's, it's going to be your first time meeting new people and trying to find the people that fit in your vibe. It's not going to be like, bam, you know, like, super easy sometimes, you know, um, when you move to a new place, you're, you're starting over. I know how uncomfortable that is. I moved to this new city, you know, years ago, and I had to start from scratch. So just know anybody out there that's like, I know I need new friends. Like, I know it's going to get uncomfortable, but I will tell you, you're going to look back and be so glad that you just started just like your well-being journey. It all encompasses together. And we, people in our fields, can help people find connections. So how do people find you, your YouTube channel, all of your things if they want more connections? Yeah, absolutely. So check us out on Instagram. It's Blue Wave Wellbeing. Um, Blue doesn't have the E on it. Uh, our YouTube channel is Lisa and Lib. So check us out on YouTube. We have weekly videos that come out every Wednesday morning. So um, we have some fun with it. So And we give tips. Too. Uh, um, our email address is hello at bluewavewellbeing.com if anybody wants to reach out to us and our website is bluewavewellbeing.com. And we'll put all of that in the notes so you don't have to run for a pencil right now. <laughs> um, what, what final thoughts do you want people listening to know? I, I would just say kind of like, you know, what I incorporated earlier, it's that you're not alone. 
um, you know, if you ever need support, um, we're here for you. And uh, that when you're in your moments, just remind yourself that, you know, um, again, you aren't, you aren't alone because I think that that was the biggest thing for me as I felt alone. Yeah. And I would just say wherever you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be. So I think a lot of times we get hard on ourselves and say, I want to be happier. I want to be more joyful. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to have this experience and I don't, but just trust that like, you know, everything is happening for a reason. Um, and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We can't, we can't experience the light if we also don't experience the dark. Mm -hmm. So we have to have that duality. I love that. Thank you guys so much for being here, everyone. Blue Wave Wellbeing, Libby, Lisa and Lib. What's the YouTube channel? Lisa and Lib. We'll put all of that in the notes. And until next time, always be ruthless, especially when it comes to play. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hub community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.